Better Off Bald, A Life in 147 Days. A serialized non-fiction podcast that chronicles the story of 15-year-old Adrian Wilson's 147-day battle with primary liver cancer. As she lay dying, Adrian taught others, including her older sister Andrea, who raised her, how to live. Welcome back to Better Off Bald, A Life in 147 Days. I am your host and storyteller, Andrea Wilson-Woods. Whether you're watching the video or listening to the podcast, I really appreciate you tuning in. Let's get started. Days 90 through 93, Monday through Thursday, August 13th through the 16th, 2001. Two smiley faces. I kind of brought this up on myself. A lot of stuff happened in my early youth and I repressed it for years and I think that's what caused it, cancer, for some reason. I just have a gut feeling about it. I've been going through a breakdown now because I'm trying to let go of everything that happened and forgive the people that caused it. I don't think the chemo is doing its job, so I'm turning to anything I can to start healing. It's hard letting go of the forest, stream, BB guns, brothers, and abandoned mothers. It's all I've held on to these past six or seven years, and now I need it all to gently fade. I don't want a huge explosion, just something soothing, you know, something calm. I learned a lot about her. It explains a lot of what happened to me and why. It doesn't excuse it, but at least there's some sort of reason now. She was too old, too sick, and she had a drug problem. Adrian's journal entry dated August 11th, 2001. John goes to work as Adrian and I leave for Children's Hospital. This week she begins her fourth round of chemo. We are both apprehensive. We don't want to be stuck there for two weeks. Even though her nausea continues, Adrian's pain has lessened. Her liver does not hurt anymore, only her joints. We run into our case manager, Teresa, on the first floor and the Mary Poppinish butterfly waiting room next to the giraffe elevators. After exchanging hellos, she comments, wow, you guys have a lot of stuff there. I follow her eyes. I'm dragging a portable luggage carrier that holds Adrian's overnight bag, my duffel bag, my purse, and another bag with Adrian's quilt, pillow, fan, and other items. For the first time, I will not have to make another trip to the car. I laugh and say, yeah, we've got it down to a science now. Teresa nods as her eyes narrow before she turns away. I ponder her reaction. I am proud I have finally figured out how to organize our stuff, but then I realize how sad it is I know exactly what to pack now. I watch our feet as we walk toward the elevator. Adrian shuffles along at a much slower pace than ever before. She says her ankles hurt. I match her gait even though her legs are longer than my own. I can keep up with her now. I hate it. The nurse takes one look at Adrian and insists on weighing her immediately. 
She has lost six pounds since the clinic appointment last week. As I tapered Adrian off the Marinol, her nausea increased, her appetite decreased, and her weight dropped. Having a cold didn't help either, as we discover Adrian is also dehydrated. Just like Marinol, says Adrian. The nurse looks confused while I stifle a laugh. The name of her new kitten, Marinol. Like the drug? asks the nurse. Yep, because he's mellow, Adrian replies. Now we all laugh, but the moment is short-lived when the nurse tells us chemo will start tomorrow. Because Adrian weighs 119 pounds now, the chemo orders have to be changed as they were based on her previous weight. Adrian also needs to be rehydrated, 24 hours of non-stop fluids. When the nurse leaves, I wonder why couldn't Adrian stay on Marinol? It helped her. I never thought I would be someone to tout the benefits of marijuana, but without it, Adrian's body suffered. Six pounds in six days. 24 pounds total since we began. What should I call it? This unexpected trip 90 days ago? How many rounds of chemo did Dr. No say she could endure? Eight, I think. I'll have to check my notes. If Adrian keeps losing weight at this rate, she won't make it. The chemo, not the damn cancer, will kill her. I meet Adrian's roommate, a 10-year-old named Layla. She lies in bed awake, but motionless and silent. In broken English, her mother tells me their story. Layla was diagnosed with rhabdomyosarcoma, the same rare cancer Whitney has, before she was three years old. At that time, she had tumors in her stomach and her pelvis. The cancer returned when she was seven. Now, three years later, Layla, with her vacant brown eyes and thick curly brown hair, waits for the doctors to determine how they are going to beat it this time. I recognize that glint of determination in the mother's eyes, but I wonder if she can see her child the way I see her. 10 years old, 11 surgeries, countless chemo treatments. Layla has endured too much. She is, of course, behind in school and will have lifelong medical issues. What kind of life has she had? As I close the thin curtain separating two girls, one full of life, the other devoid of it, I make a promise to Adrian without telling her. If I see that dead look in her eyes, I will stop treatment, no matter what. The highlight of the day, like every Monday on the oncology ward at Children's Hospital, is the pause visit. A standard black poodle named Raven trots in to meet Adrian. Rondo, the quiche hound, is also with the volunteer, who asks if she can take digital photos of Adrian with the dogs for an upcoming presentation for the doctors and nurses. According to the volunteer, the nurses suggested Adrian would be a good candidate because she likes the dogs so much, we schedule her chemo treatments to follow Mondays. I sign a photo release as Adrian smiles for several pictures. The volunteer promises someone will send me copies of the photos. In the meantime, she gives me the Polaroid picture that shows Raven sitting stoically on the bed and Adrian nuzzling her cheek against the dog's ear. This time last year, I was packing for a red-eye flight to Birmingham for my 10-year high school reunion. 
which was four days after my 28th birthday. Since I didn't have a party, I only asked for one gift. I wanted Adrian to take pictures with me at the mall, those cheap pseudo glamour shots that kids her age got all the time. I figured I could take a bunch of photos with me to show off Adrian, as well as give pictures to mother and other family members, whom I planned to see as well. Adrian, however, did not want to have her picture taken with me, her uncool, older sister parent. The night before my birthday, we discussed the matter. I'll do it if you pay me, she said. What? That's extortion. What about doing it for my birthday? I already got you something. Besides, I can't be seen at the mall. With you? I take you to the mall all the time. Yeah, but we don't like hang out together or get our picture taken. I knew she was messing with me, but I was going to have to give her something to make it worth her time. How about $5, I suggested. Shh, how about 20 Absolutely not. No way. All I'm asking for is an hour of your time. I can't believe you won't take a picture with me and... She interrupted me. Okay, okay. 10 is my final offer, Adrian. Fine, but we have to go as soon as the mall opens. None of my friends will be up that early in the morning. Fine. What a difference a year makes. With Adrian hydrated, chemo will begin on Tuesday as planned. The doctor on call orders Marinol, Decadron, and Zofran, preemptive measures for the predictable nausea and vomiting. He also has a nurse administer Lasex when he sees how puffy Adrian's body is. I almost feel better when I see the expert ride the same seesaw I do. Not enough water? Let's pump her full for 24 hours like a hot air balloon. Oops, now she has too much air. Need to let some out to bring her back down to normal. Only no one seems to know what that is anymore. Adrian and I watch Dr. Phil and Oprah. She pesters me about Montel Williams again, asking why they haven't called. I don't know what to tell her. Who knows if Montel even saw the letter? We were lucky with The Tonight Show and the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Adrian reviews her list of wishes, which she has rewritten several times. Number one, a private concert at the Whiskey Go-Go performed by Jane's Addiction with 45 to 50 of my friends there. Number two, front row tickets to the Jane's Addiction concert in LA in October. Number three, more information about my father and his past. We met with our wish coordinator, Becca, last week, and she is supposed to call us soon. I have little doubt Becca will be able to contact Dave Navarro. Getting in touch with a celebrity is easier than finding out information about a dead man who never knew his daughter. On the morning of my birthday, Adrian wakes up with fluid in her chest, probably another episode of mucositis. At least no one suspects pneumonia this time. Even though it isn't necessary, the doctors give Adrian oxygen to relax her. When he leaves, I also give her Valium. I know I should request the meds through the staff when we're in the hospital, but it takes too long, especially with an attending physician who barely knows Adrian's medical history. A nurse returns with Sepacol, an OTC throat lozenge, as if it will make everything better. Adrian sucks on it, but claims the numbness lasts for only minutes. She continues to cough, 
and her throat hurts. The night before our mall trip, Adrian used a different brand of hair dye to color her hair blue. She wanted it to look perfect since school was starting soon. Unfortunately, she managed to dye her entire bathroom. Her sheets and her skin blue too. I was livid when I saw her bathroom, which happened to be the main one in the house. Together, we began bleaching the sink and bathtub right away, undoing the damage before the dye set in. I didn't give her skin much thought until John came home, took one look at her, and said, What's up, Smurf? Adrian wailed, Sissy, I told you it looked bad. What am I going to do? Cover it up with makeup. Besides, it will fade before school starts. Now scrub. I pointed to the bathtub with its stubborn ring of blue clinging to the porcelain. But sissy, but what? We're cleaning this mess first, and then we'll worry about your sort of bluish face. Adrian gave me that you don't care about my feelings look and went back to work. Sissy, look at my arms. Despite the Lasix, Adrian appears puffier than ever. When I show a nurse, she agrees and decides to weigh Adrian. 133 pounds. Adrian and I look at the scale. That can't be right, I say. She was 119 two days ago. All fluid, says the nurse. I'll see the doctor about ordering more Lasix. Now that's what I call water weight, says Adrian as she crawls back into bed. No wonder I feel so bloated. I shake my head. 14 pounds in two days? Is that safe? Can't too much water be a bad thing? Can it dilute the blood or something? I decide not to bring it up with the doctor. If all goes well, Adrian has one more day of chemo. We might go home as early as tomorrow evening. I don't want to mess up that chance for us by questioning the doctor's decision. For Adrian to be discharged, we need his consent. In hospitals, doctors have the power. Patients don't. Anya and Alex drop by and surprise me with a piece of birthday cake, as well as a tray of sweets for the nurses and staff. I don't know why I didn't think of doing that sooner. Nurses are like teachers, underappreciated and overworked, yet paid more. Before long, people peek their heads in to wish me happy birthday. I appreciate the gesture, but I'm thinking about last year when I dragged Adrian out of bed, paid her the negotiated $10 fee, and took her to the mall at 10 o'clock in the morning. Before we left, I helped her cover her skin with foundation and powder to diminish its Smurf-like appearance. Not long after we left the Glamour Shop place, I exacted sweet revenge, albeit accidental. We bumped into one of Adrian's closest friends, Lori who was surprised to see Adrian shopping so early. As she marveled at Adrian's new blue hair, I made sure to tell Lori Adrian and I had our picture taken together. Adrian jabbed me in the ribs with her elbow, but in a playful way. As I had suspected, she was not as embarrassed as she had pretended to be. She even kept some pictures for herself while I took the majority of the wallet-sized prints and distributed them to friends and family as planned during my trip. Savoring my last bite of cake, I miss that blue bathtub. I would trade Adrian's now translucent skin for seeing her as a Smurf again. Her blue-green hair remains in a Ziploc bag in a drawer at home. 
I wish I had found someone to make a wig out of Adrian's own hair for free. I put the word out in several emails, but I never heard back from anyone. I imagine the free part is the reason, because I know people who know someone who could do it. Happy birthday, sissy. Sorry we had to be, Adrian gestures, in here. It's not your fault, kiddo. Not a big deal. Still, kind of sucks. Lying on the bed, Adrian looks me in the eye. I can't lie to her. Yeah, it kind of sucks. But the cake was good. Adrian almost laughs, but she stops herself. Laughing can trigger a coughing attack, and she's tired. Night, sissy. Good night, sweetie. Love you. I wait for an I love you too, but she is already asleep. The dry coughing wakes me up. I glance at my watch as I walk toward the bed, half asleep. 3 a.m. Adrian holds one hand over her mouth while the other clutches her ribs. When the nurse offers another throat lozenge, I want to throw it at her. Can't she hear the gurgling in Adrian's chest? Can't she see Adrian spitting up blood? The doctors have only speculated about the cause of the mucositis. They believe either it is a side effect of the chemo or the tumors in Adrian's chest are making it harder for her to breathe. I prefer the former theory. No matter what the cause, no one seems to be able to offer a cure for the coughing itself. I sit on a chair and hold Adrian's hand as she hacks for almost two hours. Finally, her body exhausts itself and she falls asleep again around a quarter after five. I curl back up in the window seat, which I've decided is not as comfortable as the fold-out chair. The benefit of being near the window is we are farther away from the door, which constantly opens and closes, and closer to the bathroom, which means less walking for Adrian. However, unlike the chair, the seat is too far from the bed. I can't sleep next to Adrian. I close my eyes. Please let us go home tomorrow. By noon, Adrian's fourth round of chemo is complete. Since the pain medication was given by mouth instead of through IV this time, Adrian and I know there will be no issues of weaning her off a machine or calculating the correct dosage to take it home. We wait. When the attending doctor comes in to discuss Adrian's discharge, I want to jump up and down on the window seat and tell the world, four days, four fucking days, and we're going home. I don't, of course, because the doctor might have me committed. The only thing Adrian needs to do before we leave is have another pentamidine treatment because someone realized it's been more than a month since she's had one. Fine, no problem. One antibiotic inhalation procedure at 2 p.m. will be there. Like last time, the discharge papers read 1520, but unlike last time, we are out of the hospital 10 minutes later at 3.30. I don't know if the doctor called the pharmacy in advance or if we have fewer prescriptions to fill since we still have some at home. I look at the papers and count the meds. 14. One less than last time. The decadron and ointment for the mysterious yet now disappeared rash are out, but I see the Zofran is back. Boost, drink as you want, a nutritional drink similar to Ensure. 
Dilaudid, give four milligrams by mouth four times per day as needed, 8 a.m., 2 p.m., 8 p.m., 2 a.m., painkiller. Elevil, by mouth, once per day, 8 a.m., antidepressant. Low overall tab, by mouth, once a day, 8 a.m., birth control. Magnesium plus protein, by mouth, three times per day, 8 a.m., 4 p.m., 12 a.m., vitamin supplement. Marinol, by mouth, four times per day for two consecutive days after chemo, 8 a.m., 2 p.m., 8 p.m., 2 a.m., appetite stimulant and anti-nausea. Milk and magnesia, by mouth once per day, stool softener. Neupogen shot, subcutaneously once per day, 8 a.m., medicine to increase white blood cell counts. Night statin, swish and swallow four times a day, 8 a.m., 12 p.m., 4 p.m., 8 p.m., antifungal. Paradex mouthwash, half strength, swish and spit four times a day, 8 a.m., 12 p.m., 4 p.m., 8 p.m., antimicrobial. Provacol by mouth once per day, 8 a.m., cholesterol-lowering medication. Valium by mouth once per day as needed, 12 a.m., anti-anxiety. Zantac by mouth twice per day, 8 a.m., 8 p.m., anti-nausea. Zofran by mouth four times per day for two consecutive days after chemo, 8 a.m., 2 p.m., 8 p.m., 2 a.m., anti-nausea. I almost whistle as I drive us home, but my inability to stay on pitch irritates Adrian. Thoughts, more numbers, roam around in my head. Four days of chemo, 14 meds instead of 15, no liver pain. Those have to be good signs, right? What if it's an illusion and things are only getting better before they get worse? No, I will be positive. We are going home. Adrian can play with Marinol. We will have a good weekend. Thank you for watching and listening to Better Off Ball, The Life of 147 Days. Please subscribe to my channel. And if you like what you're hearing, please share with your friends, family, strangers, anyone. <laughs> and stay tuned for the next episode. You just heard a chapter from Better Off Ball, A Life in 147 Days, a story told and written by Andrea Wilson Woods. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast, share it with your friends, and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.